0: so just want to take this time to welcome you to unapologetically male surviving society stigma standards and system we have brother damon dorsey on with us um dame you know feel free to you know share a little bit about yourself like some history you know where you grew up i like to start off with the, the the question of what high school you went to um because we all know what the best high school in baltimore city is i'm gonna let
1: you talk I'm gonna let you go ahead and talk. tell us about yourself <laughs> oh man well since we know what the best high school in the city is that that's where i attended the best high school in baltimore city uh it even has baltimore in the name baltimore polytechnic institute <laughs> uh located at the great 1400 west cold spring lane uh no so that, that's my high school is poly i'm i'm born and raised in baltimore i'm i'm everything baltimore northeast baltimore uh, 1656 Northbourne Road. Uh, that's where I grew up. First 16 and a half years of my life. Uh, so again, I, I'm I'm everything. Baltimore I went to all Baltimore schools. Uh, Rolling Park. Uh, caught the 44 to 33 to eight. <laughs> Uh, my, my first beeper was from, uh, discount City. So. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, uh, Northwood baseball fries with salt, pepper, and ketchup, man. I'm like uh, all things, all things Northeast Baltimore. That's me. Got you. Got you. So t- tell us a little bit about what you, what, what you do now, like,
0: and, and a little bit about that as well.
1: Well, it's interesting, man, with what I do now, I'm, I'm in ministry, which is an interesting thing for me to say, because at probably seven or eight or nine or 10, that's not something that I thought I would be doing. But I was always very, very inspirational. I was really big on sports. So I played football, basketball, baseball, really big sports person. And I think from that, um, I probably got to hone my leadership qualities and understanding what it takes to galvanize people and get a team together. And um, actually stumbled into ministry again. It wasn't something that I was looking to do. I had some some life situations. I don't know how deep we'll go, but I had some life situations happen. And when the life situations happened, I found myself in church. And it was at a, a small church. It was ten eleven Greenbound Avenue Redemption Church. Pastor was Richard Holland. Uh, it was the old volcanoes for any seasoned people that are, that are watching. They still had the same floor, and which was crazy to be inside of a church, where they wrote their names on the floor and marker. And I was like, this is crazy to me that I'm in church, but I'm still seeing Junebug on the floor or Jackie on the floor. And it was like, man, we have a church in here. This is volcanoes. And it, it was in there that I kind of um, reestablished my relationship with God. And, and through that... Um, I started writing these uh, like little devotionals, like email first hit in the early 2000s. I'm writing these devotionals. I'm sending them to like my family and friends. And really it was for me because I was in a, a crazy messed up space in my own life. And um, pastor at the time got a got word of it and asked me to do like a five minute testimonial in church, which turned into like a 35 minute sermon. And then uh, <laughs> it, it was from there, man, that he he kind of told me like, hey, you really have a gift with this thing um you've been kind of using your life the wrong way let's try to figure out how to how to put a positive spin on that so he got me in a ministry um he got me really serious about ministry because i wasn't um sent me to virginia union university i had a bachelor's degree from salisbury sent me to union to get a master of divinity degree and then i really got serious with it um my wife and a couple of other our friends i would just preach at random places um, they actually came with the idea. Let's start a church. And I was like, yeah, that's probably not something I want to do. Like, you know, <laughs> pre- preaching is cool. Trying to help people is cool. But this whole start a church thing. I ain't really with this. And uh, one of my good, good friends from high school um, had cancer. And uh, his name was Chris, Chris Lyles, And he got like the first uh, tracheal transplant of anybody. And it kind of opened up doors for people to get hit. And the problem well, not the problem. The problem I had with God with it was he ended up losing his life and died. So it's like he died. So so many other people could get that. I really had a tough little reconciliation conversation with God for a few years. But it was in that that um I like, you know, we had big pastors here. Anybody from Baltimore knows I like, did. They're, they're like the major Baltimore pastors and his mom asked me to preach his his funeral and i was like no nah, don't you want one of the i mean there's cameras here and this at morgan state and it's a big deal mm-hmm. and she was like no no, no 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 i want i want you to do it and and doing it a lot of um the people from our generation at that time it's probably late 20s um were really like hey i wish you had a church because i would go to it and that kind of hit me with what everyone was saying like why don't we start something so we started really researching and really planning and trying to figure out how we make this thing happen. And, um, the one thing we didn't have was a name and we were sitting around one day and my wife was like, we just walking by faith. And I was like, Oh, that's, mm-hmm. that's kind of, that's kind of dope. We kind of really are doing that. And mm-hmm. she was like, no, no, no. That's the name. Walk by faith. Like that's the name. And we just made that the name and we, we've been rocking with that ever since. God, and God.
2: Let, just really quickly, not to, uh, jump in the, um, Man, this town is is so many small degrees of separation. Miss Lyle's uh gave me one of my first opportunities to work underneath her before she retired. Oh so so yeah, man, like and I just talked to Brother Chico uh not a, not more than thirty minutes ago, or an hour ago rather. So it's just it's it's just uh fulfilling, even just starting off this 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 the degrees of separation, you know what I mean? And that's just that's just wonderful, man. Just just wonderful.
1: Yeah, we're definitely known for being uh, small town more. Uh, where, where everybody knows somebody that knows somebody that knows something about it here. So yeah, I, I definitely agree with you, man. It's it's refreshing to me even just being on this platform. I think the more um, open we can be as as guys, and especially you know not to make it culture specific, but as as black men to be Absolutely. able to just have these kinds of conversations, I think really help other black men be you know feel comfortable with opening up about things they wouldn't normally talk about
0: definitely 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 you definitely you mentioned something about getting too deep uh and like some things that you were going through that kind of led you to so let can we can we can we dig a little deep into that and just kind of talk about some of the things that you know you had to face that kind of push you towards where you are now um and that kind of helped make you into the man that you are um, as far as you know, in, in ministry and your personal life and professional life.
1: Oh man, absolutely! I think um, for me, at the time, I had what you would probably call the perfect storm. So, in the, I was early twenties, mid twenties, and um, man, I was I was living life to the absolute fullest, and and by that I mean I was out here, out here, like I was <laughs> I was having a, I was having as good a time as you could have in life, and the, and the problem with the good time that I was having was um I also had um, kids at, at, at a and a house and a wife at home at the time. And it was like, you know, you can't have this good time and had this situation. But I was like, no, nah, I'm going to figure out how to have both. And I was really out here trying to have both. Mm-hmm. And it got to a space where um just just me doing me wasn't conducive for the house. And as we split, I think the the split kind of really forced me to really take a hard look at myself. Mm-hmm. So we were we were together for a while, but only married for like less than a year when she was finally like, I can't I can't do this, man. Like You you're just too wild and too out here. And the split was more for me. Um, that's why I said the, the deepness of it, like in learning myself and going through my own therapy and figuring me out first was a lot of me understanding that I had failed in a thing and I wasn't used to failing in a thing. Everything with me was sports. It was always winning and losing. So getting a divorce a year in was was losing and I don't lose. So a lot of me wanting to stay in that situation was we just can't look bad in front of other people. Like, I don't want Mm -hmm. us to lose, even though we recognize that you're a great person. Somewhere in me, there's probably a great guy, but we just aren't compatible for each other, and instead of me looking at it like that at that time, I looked at it like, "Oh no, 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 we don't lose." And coming from my family, um, my family, my parents— um, for my dad passed—they were together fifty-one years, so getting divorced just wasn't something that we do in our family. And my sisters were both married; like, we don't do divorce. Like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. This is this is shaming the family look to you know, <laughs> be out here, out here in these streets, divorce. So right. I'm trying, I'm trying to hang on to something. That was completely dead. Again, no fault of hers, Um, but it's completely dead. And I'm trying to hang on to it just because I, I want to look a certain way. And right. I think um the ending up at that church was my sister was saying, hey, you know, just get to a church. And I didn't want to go to my family church because. That was a smaller church and everybody knew everybody. Everybody already knew my situation anyway. So I felt like walking in the door, I was already judged there anyway. Mm -hmm. So I went to this space where nobody knew who I was and I thought I would be able to just kind of sit and blend in. And again, life has a way of doing what life does. I think you can run from what you're supposed to be doing in life. You can run from your purpose as much as you want and as long as you want. But it'll eventually find you and hopefully overtake you. And that's what happened to me. I I thought I was running away from it and actually ran into it trying to run away from it. Mm -hmm.
2: You you spoke on on, you know, uh, going through a divorce and, and I myself done the same thing. Um, speak to the mental toll, and I mean, you talked about losing. I mean, you you know, not wanting to lose. You went to poly. I don't, I don't know that Polly did a whole lot of winning. You know, definitely didn't do a whole lot of winning. You know, I, I don't know. I wasn't here, but you know, um, you, you you write on your assessment. Definitely. Yeah, you know, I just I'm just going what I heard. You know what I heard, but uh, you know, but but you know, you had that mentality, and I I totally understand it from that point. And then there was the shame and. And you know, I mean, let's just be honest. You know, not speaking to your uh, perspective or your situation, but many other brothers, if divorce comes up or divorce happens, is automatically on the brother. Um, which it could rightfully so. I don't know, but you know, what speak to the other mental aspects of that time for you and having to really get over that and battle it, and and where your faith came in.
1: Hmm. So let's let's attack the first one first. Um, In my years, Polly was used to winning. So let's attack the first ones first. Um, Yeah, my (laughs) my 98 and 99 football years, we we went to states both years. Um, Unfortunately, did did y'all win? no, look, look, hey hey let's talk about what we're talking about, we talk about- <laughs> rings is the only thing that counts <laughs> all right so so he what, says what, not
2: bringing up old stuff
1: yeah so <laughs> what, what that happened was is um now i am very very proud of where the basketball team is that's what i hang my hat on man so a guy who graduated with actually my year sam brand my my guy coach um he has completely turned and transformed that that program around three straight state championships um, and would have been a fourth if COVID did hit. All right, so that, that part out of the way. That, shout, that, up, that shout out to we, we, we Shout we out Yeah, we're getting, we're getting somewhere to go. you Y'all <laughs> been doing the thing. Y'all been doing <laughs> I, right, I, I can't lie. I can't lie. We're getting somewhere <laughs> to go. But the, the other more serious side, um, I, I think something that I've learned, we have a, a grief recovery ministry at our church, and and I didn't really really grasped this until this year one of our ministers uh, minister Michelle Lee she does a great job with our grief recovery she introduced this idea that anytime you lose anything there's a grieving process Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and it messed me up when she said it the first time she was like it doesn't matter if you're losing a job you know you go from one job to another you could have left that job but in going from one job to another job there's a grieving process in it when you lose a pet there's a grieving process in it when you Mm -hmm. lose a relationship There's a grieving process in it. And that I wish I would have known during that time what I know now about the grieving process that it takes to go through losing that relationship. Good, bad and indifferent. There's a process that you mentally go through. So that mental part was probably. More painful than anything physical I've ever been through. I, I tore my Achilles, and I said that's the worst. Ooh. Like that, the surgery after the surgery, like waking up and the meds didn't kick in, was the worst physical pain I've ever felt in my life. Mm-hmm. That pales in comparison to the mental pain of that failing of that thing that you you said, "Hey, I know I'm going to do well in this this relationship thing." That's why we got married, and then you fail at it. It's like, no, that's not supposed to happen. So carrying that that wait for so many years of we messed this thing up was probably mm-hmm. the toughest part of the mental journey. And had I known to kind of really immerse myself in the grieving process, I think I would have healed a lot sooner than I did. But because wow. I didn't know, you know, I I, I kind of tried to handle it on my own. A lot of that um, for me and not speaking for anybody else for me came with self-medicating. Um I became a very good drinking connoisseur like I I knew (laughs) what 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 would would get me to the best place as quick as possible. Um, But a lot of that came from, again, trying to hide from the having to deal with the emotions Mm -hmm. of what I was really feeling. It was like, okay, I'll go to work and I can I can mask it at work because work keeps me busy. And then when I get off work, I can mask it with these other things that will still keep me busy. But I'm still not trying to face what I'm really, really feeling gotcha
2: yeah that's that's deep and and in your faith now you know how how do you guys further you you talked about the grief ministry but what are some other ways that you guys connect the faith to the mental health aspect because and you know i my limited um understanding of religion and my experiences especially coming from new york city where everything for the most part is catholic Mm -hmm. you know like we didn't have growing up in my time we didn't have a lot of black led churches. We had a couple. Um, but you know, I, I think with the Catholic experience of things, uh, it, it just was what it was. You mm. didn't hear about that. So, you know, forging through this new age and, and time and culture where you're cognizant of the mental health aspect, what are some other things that you guys are doing to usher or marry that religion and mental health aspect?
1: Now that's a great question, man. I think um I think uh, my my good brother, Dwayne, can probably testify to this. We are a very unorthodox church, Mm -hmm. which I think helps us tremendously with not being as traditional as some others. And because we're non-denominational, it doesn't force us to be as rigid as other denominations who have a historic kind of lens for how they look at mental health or what their practices were since we're so young, like we're, we're seven years old this year. So we're so young that we're still learning. And I say sometimes we're, we're still naive enough to think that anything's possible. And one of those things is possible is how do we effectively marry having this religious undertone to understanding what mental health is? So when I grew up, the, the depth of mental health was, health was, from the church perspective, global, not saying individual churches, but church global, Um, especially Baltimore region church global was pray on it and it'll go away whatever it is like whatever we don't really want to have around let's just pray on it and it'll go away and by no means no means no means and I mean no means could you ask questions so if I'm sitting in church and I'm like yeah, I, I like this faith thing, but you really mean to tell me Jonah was really inside a well for three days and then the well just spit him up and we we all, and I'm looking around like, show of hands, every, who's good with that? Everybody's okay with that? Nobody's gonna, oh, all right, I guess we all. So Lazarus was really dead and buried for four days and then Jesus says, first of all, these brothers were strong enough to move, the, they moved the stone and he just walked out. We all okay with that? <laughs> that was some mental health jarring stuff for me that we were all okay with this. (laughs) So there was a, there was like the the deeper layer of understanding that some of these things are giving us principles in life too. Like the, the principle that suggests to us that you can stay inside of a tough situation for days and God can help you find insight to get out. There's a principle in you might think some situations in your life are dead and they're beyond repair for them to be repaired, and then understanding that you have to mentally deal with that so even the the grieving process of i thought this situation was dead to it comes back how do i deal with that um the piece of adding in mental health for us is so real that i think when i stood up on stage and was able to say to people hey i have a therapist i think it freed people in the sense of Wait a minute. The pastor got a therapist. Yeah, I talk to Jesus and my therapist every Wednesday at 11 o'clock. So, And and giving people practical ways of understanding, I got to talk to my therapist. Well, why you talk to a therapist, Pastor? Because I listen to your problems. So when I talk to you, I can't carry on. You know how crazy your life is. And they like, Pastor, you all right about life. I do tell you some crazy stuff. Now, imagine me carrying your crazy times 350 people. Mm-hmm. I gotta talk to somebody about something so that I'm not crazy as crazy <laughs> <laughs> as I would be outside of not practicing this. So I think it's it's super important. I'm really I will say this. the church gets a lot of flack. i am I am godly proud of the response of the church now that I see the trend changing to embrace mental health and what it means for mm-hmm. for me growing up, I can honestly say it was not what it is now. I see a lot more acceptance of it. I see a lot more of, of a push from it. And I think as much as we give the church global flack, we should give the church credit when the church looks at a thing. Now, understanding I I would totally agree that the church is usually last to jump on board for everything. It, it's like things happen, happening 10 years later. The church is like, that's all right. I mean, one example being even what we're doing now with technology, I can't tell you how many pastors used to get on me for embracing social media. I don't believe you're on social media. The, web, the devil is on the internet. That intranet thing is terrible. And then <laughs> and then COVID happens. And it's like, mm. follow me on Twitter at <laughs> because you were forced to when if we were more open to it sooner and using it for positivity sooner, we would have been in a much better place as, a, as the church at large.
2: Yeah, are are you seeing? It's almost like when when I heard you talking about it, it's almost like uh, how the mafia. Uh, you saw the the movies and the TV shows with the mafia and how the bosses are going to see the therapists and how taboo it was. Do you feel like that's growing? Uh, just growing out of that taboo from the pastor's sense all around the world, or is it just is it still working its way there?
1: i think it's in a really good space of getting there if i'm being honest man like um because we're non-denominational i get to talk to a lot of pastors from different denominations and i think the conversations are starting to become the same where they're really you know female pastors male pastors whoever are really understanding the importance of what the mental health side of things are for people and the balance that it takes um, I'm not, and this is going to sound, I mean, everybody says it now, but I think we really built our church on this. I'm less about religion than I am about relationship. So I'm so big on the relationship aspect with God. One. So I, I look at it for me, it's always been this thing of what the cross represents for me, not for, you know, speaking for any other pastor, but for me, uh, the vertical side of it being my relationship with God and then the horizontal side being my relationship with people and I can be as vertical as I am, as I want to be. But if I struggle with this horizontal piece and I'm not helping to complete what the cross means for me. And I think what therapists do is they help us in a way to deal with ourselves so that we can be better horizontally. because the vertical piece is strictly us with God. But this horizontal piece, sometimes we need some help. There's so many, it's interesting, there's so many traumas and things that we deal with from childhood that we don't know that we carry today. That in, in like I, I, I my wife and I joke all the time. I thought our therapist wasn't the greatest at first. I was like, I, this isn't working for me. We just talking about stuff. She just we just shooting the breeze. I'm not really feeling this. And it was one day, one conversation where she pulled something from probably like our first session. Like, so since childhood, you've been struggling with it. I was like, why do you know that? And it was like in that moment, I was like, oh, no, no, no. She's earned all of her coins. Like she's pretty. Oh, you're pretty good at this thing. And I think that ability of them to be able to listen to us where in our normal hustle and bustle of life, especially for for guys who don't want to talk about this, Mm -hmm. we're so used to fixing things Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that we've kind of self-medicated on fixing ourselves. So there there are holes and blind spots and areas that we could be so much better in if we would sit down and talk to somebody who could say, have you ever considered that when those things happen, you respond like this? And we've never thought about it because we've never been forced to sit down long enough because we're always on the move with how to fix or get to the next thing. Definitely. Definitely speaking of that so so at what point
0: did like they click to say i need a therapist like what 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 like what point in life that you like all right i need somebody to talk to like what was that kind of breaking point
1: for you for me it was um my dad passing. so my dad passed um september and i think that was the point for me where i was like uh just understanding you know generations change you know the way that we parent (laughs) is a lot different than the way that we were parented right and i thought for the longest time that my dad did an awful job parenting me right like and this is me being tri- i was like man we we just didn't have the greatest relationship and when he was getting sick and like on the verge of passing of course you you think about a lot of things and there were so many things that i wished i could have done different conversations that i wished i could have had with him and what i was starting to to kind of realize on my own i was like man i really got to talk to somebody who who can help me through this is I was like, maybe he didn't know how to love the way that I needed to be loved because he was loved in a different way. So the way that he was parented was, you, again, same kind of you don't ask any questions. Um, children are seen and not heard. <laughs> like that spoken to. That, that kind of parenting. And for me, it was hard because I was in sports so much. He didn't really come to games. I felt like he didn't really support mm-hmm. me. Um, whatever I did, it was always... Uh, Joe's kid did it better. Didn't matter what it was. And even mm. as I got older and got into ministry, it would be, you know, um we would come back to my mom's on Sundays for Sunday dinner and, and somebody would say, you know, oh my mother would say, oh, you preached a good sermon today. He'd be like, well my pastor preached a better sermon. It was always like somebody mm. did the thing better than me, right? Mm-hmm. And then and and finally sitting down with somebody to understand what the push was and then talking about him and his and how he was. It was always his way of trying to push me to go harder to be better. so it was it was his thing of never letting me settle like, yeah, you think you're good, but there's another level to good, like be better than good, but that's right. how he was parented and it, while it didn't really connect for me when he was alive, I think having that conversation with the therapist and getting to that space of understanding. Man, reading things that he might have given me years ago or finding things later, like, you know, in that in those moments, it was like, oh, maybe I was looking at this wrong. And I only really got to that place through I got to figure this out. And there was nobody around me that could help me figure that out. My mom couldn't help me. My wife couldn't Mm -hmm. help. me. My kids couldn't help me. I really needed an outside person. And I reached out and was like, let me try this and see what happens. And it it ended up being a, a, a great blessing to me.
0: Gotcha. Now, how how do you see that? How do you see that impacting your relationship with your kids?
1: Oh man, it was almost like it went to a greater level instantly. As soon as I I I got that like got off of that session, it helped me in the way of I thought I was doing a really great job with them. And I I mean even now I still think I was. I think I was, I think, you know, the one thing that that so let me backtrack a little bit. I think for most people, you you either do the same thing as your parents or the complete opposite. Very rarely do I find people who are in the middle. So if like growing up, your parents were really, really loving and that's who you and you love that. So that's who you become or your parents were really absent. So you're like, I'm going to be extra there. And that was me. I felt like my dad didn't give me the emotional support. He was a great provider. Um, we, we never missed a meal. Uh, the lights were on every day. But the emotional side I didn't get. There were no I love yous. There were no hugs. So I, I felt like, for me, I'm going to be different with my kids. I'm going to make sure they know I love them. I'm going to make sure, you know, they playing a game. I'm there. I'm, I'm cutting work off so that I can get to your game. But in that, I learned that just because you think you're doing a good job doesn't mean the other person thinks you're doing a good job. Because mm-hmm. to ask my dad, for him, stability was the good job. And then upon him passing and having conversations with my mom and my sisters, what I learned is he didn't always grow up in stability. So for him, he went a step beyond what he got. So he didn't get stable household every day. I come home. There's food. The lights are always on. We know we got a place to stay. So him providing that for us was I'm killing it. And now you talk about this emotional stuff. You see all this light on in this house?
2: Boy. You <laughs> see all this food
1: that you can eat? like Baby, and for, Right. So for him, it was like, I wish I could have got to eat this much food. I wish we had this much light. And you complaining because I ain't hugged you? Oh, you better go sit down somewhere. So for me, it was getting off of that call with, with the therapist that day, really sitting down with my kids to try to understand what is it that, that you feel like you need? Because I could mm-hmm. be providing what I feel like you need, right? But what is it that you feel like you need, and are you getting that from me as your father?
2: That's that's a major mental um, way of humbling yourself Absolutely. to to step outside and because yeah, man. I mean, listen, you are you are providing, you are the father, and as somebody who didn't grow up with one at all, I'm like. I'm, I'm, I'm from that same elk. they say, <laughs> you got, you got a roof over here. <laughs> huh? Yeah, talk to me, you know, but, uh, I, I know having daughters also, it, it, it forced me to have that, uh, out of body experience to say you, you can't raise them the way you were raised, you know, by a mom who was just naturally tough, Um, so I, I just think that's, that's a beautiful thing that you were able to just mentally say, you know what, I am killing it, but let me see how I can do better. You know? Yeah. And again,
1: that, that that was through conversation at 39, you know, so I'm 39 now. So it took me, you know, 39 years to get to a space of, like you said, humbling yourself enough to say, Hey, I think I'm doing a really good job at this thing, but, but what if I'm not, you know, like, or or Mm -hmm. are there areas that I can be better? And, and, That does take a lot (laughs) to be able to say, "Hey, give me the raw, honest truth on where you think I am."
0: Mm. So you know, I'm a, I'm a, a, you know, say you're not the only one because I just had to learn that lesson probably last year myself. Mm. Just kind of how to learn how to parent my children different than the way I was parented, Um, and even to the point where you know I'm sitting down having conversations with them, like, "Hey, you know, what do you want me to do better?" And one of my children, I'm not going. I'm not going to say which one. He was like, I need you to stop yelling so much.
1: But, it, but see, even with that though, man, isn't that crazy? How for us, we didn't get. I didn't. We didn't get that opportunity to. Oh, ask absolutely that not. Question, right? and, <laughs> absolutely. And, not. And, and for our kids to trust us enough to to feel confident enough to say you yell too much. Right. What. I think if I would have said, I, uh, that my dad, hey, what, what could I do better? You yell too much. <laughs> our, our immediate next stop would have been the dentist so that they could replace all of my frontal work. Because pretty, pretty much, pretty much. There's no
0: way I would have had teeth after that. So, I mean, I think that comes with just kind of evolving and just kind of, and me, I, and I had to learn a process and hurt from my childhood um, to be able to get to that point where, all right. I need to have discussions with them so they don't feel the way I felt growing up, and and like how you said, I you know you got to che- like I check in with them now. At this point, I'm checking in with you at least once a month. Like, hey, how you feeling? What's going on? How you feeling? You know, how we doing? You know, I'm I'm working on. Listen, I'm like I'm working on not yelling at y'all much. So I need y'all to work on following direction more. <laughs> you know, we got to give and take. You know, and 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 that compromise we never really we, we would never ever mm. get that type of kind of conversation or discussion without friends because it's like you know, listen I fed you I clothed you I only gotta do the bare minimum <laughs> 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 and I dare you call CPS <laughs> right
2: <laughs> <laughs> so what's that <laughs> <laughs> you know it, it, it's um it's funny Dame you brought up something in, in being one way or all the way the other And one thing I had to realize, you know, my oldest is 12 and the next is 10 and 6. And they're all different personalities. And I had to realize that, you know, um, while a lot of the things that we experienced growing up, I'm also of the understanding of everything isn't bad per se either. You know, um, to where we we, because I had that that realization to myself. To say, you know, Ma, you was you was kind of crazy. You was a little hard. But now, you know, as a parent, um, I I may take or or still find myself doing some of those mental things and raising the kids the same way, but checking myself to have a little balance because, you know, just to be honest, man, while we while we have to be different parents in this generation, the world is different as well. Mm, and I always tell my kids, man, y'all wouldn't have made it, mm. you know, when we was growing up. You know. So uh <laughs> No, and you you're yeah. so
1: right. We had that exact conversation today. I was taking them to uh practice today, and I was listening to a Shannon Sharp interview with uh the, the All the Smoke podcast, and he was talking about you know how he had to, they killed rabbits and that's what they ate. And I'm telling you know, with casual <laughs> conversation, I'm telling my daughters and they're looking at me like, what? <laughs> and he said something in that interview. He said he worked as hard as he did because he knew his kids could never survive the type of life that he had to survive. Mm-hmm and i and i was saying to them i feel the same way about you guys like y'all y'all would not work as hard as i had to work like just getting a ride to practice stuff we call it the light rail or the bus like so even this getting dropped off and picked up from everywhere is different mm-hmm. than what i experienced so to your point of you know having that balance it is incumbent upon us too, to make sure that we do kind of instill, find ways to instill that work ethic and how we, especially more so with like the boys, like with my sons, how do we, how do I give you that, that same thing without putting you in a bad space? Mm. Mm. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, definitely, definitely mental balance. Definitely. Well, you had anything else on?
0: Uh, Just, you know, um, know, of course, we talk about mental health awareness and, you know, you talked about um, what you do. But is there any other support system or any other things that you help do for self-care? Because self-care is important for us as African-American men. And many times we will run ourselves ragged, you know, trying to make sure that we are providing for our family. But at the end of the day, we are shortchanging ourselves. So what are some things that you kind of do to kind of help? You deal with the stresses of life of being a husband, being a dad, being a pastor, being a community leader. Like, what what helps you kind of maintain that balance
1: besides therapy? Man, well, let me start with how terrible I am at it. Okay, so (laughs) so to to be um, that's honest, that's honest. Man, I am terrible at it. So one of my my biggest homework assignments from therapy is. Um, she's dwindled it down from an hour to five minutes is to take five minutes a day for myself. <laughs> like that's, that's my, leg- <clears throat> excuse me. That's my legit homework assignment is five minutes a day for myself. I am mm-hmm. terrible at self care. I'm so used to trying to make sure everybody else is good that I don't mm-hmm. do the best job of making sure that I'm okay. So small things that are helping me with my discipline with that, uh, even the, the one hour check-in of me knowing, hey, every Wednesday from eleven to twelve I'm on therapy. And then having the pe- letting the people in my life know, so the kids know, you know, family knows, everybody knows that from eleven to twelve, we gotta give him eleven to twelve because being a pastor is, a, a, I say a gift and a curse with your time because everybody thinks that you're off all the time. You only work on Sunday is what people think. So <laughs> anything that comes up, they're like, oh, he can do it. So I'm so always on the move with things that I'm terrible mm-hmm. with it. Some of the things that that I need to get better at that do help, um, ride my bike. So, uh, man, Brian got me in the in the, the, the bike group that's everywhere and he had been telling me get a bike for years and I wouldn't get a bike I was I'm not paying this much money for a bike. And finally, <laughs> man, finally he convinced me and and i saved my little coins and got a bike and i said well since i bought it i might as well ride it and i rode all last summer and it was so therapeutic for me man just riding by myself was so therapeutic and then i found out from getting a tune-up that i was actually riding the wrong way my seat was too low because the ride was so strenuous i was like, i'm killing myself They fixed my seat, Mm. and now riding is one of the – so riding my bike is probably top of the list for me in terms of, like, what I do. The other thing that um, my therapist did suggest, she said once a month, but there is no way it's happening once a month. So once a quarter, kind of unplugging and just going to a hotel by myself for one night. Mm. Once And I was like, once a month is just not – that's out of the question. First of all, I can't even do your five-minute homework assignment. (laughs) 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 So, so this whole once a month go to a hotel thing isn't gonna fly. But um, so I've been trying. I did it one time. So this was last, like last in the last year I was supposed to start. I did it once so far. So I'm even not even up on once a quarter. And gotcha. then the last thing um is trying to get get massages more more. So okay. um, massage envy or about faces. You know, trying to do that once a month and just trying to find different ways to kind of you know. I, not be as stressed out and still do life is a mm-hmm. difficult task. So that's self-care piece, man. I, I, admittedly, I say to anybody, I, I can give you advice on how to do it, but I suck taking my own advice. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it be like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm terrible, man. <laughs> yeah,
2: Say say no. It's okay for you brothers to uh, say no once once in a while.
1: Which is such a hard concept for us, because, again, especially, you know, I I was raised by a man's man. Like he was a he was a hard parent. man. Like he was a, a tough parent. So he was very big on, you know, these are your responsibilities and you take care of them. There's no ifs, ands or buts about it. So when things happen, it's hard for me to say no, because I had that. Like it was just instilled in me like, no, you have to go fix. And I'm learning. Uh, my, my cousin said something to me years ago, man, and it, it blessed me and, and I'm trying to follow it more now. Somebody called me while we were out together and it was like I knew it was a dire emergency because they kept calling. But the person always needed something. Mm-hmm. And he took my phone. and He was like, bro, don't answer. And I was like, no, nah, but they need me. He was like, I promise you they'll figure it out. So they stopped mm-hmm. calling. He was like, call them back the next day. So we're we, we together again, called him the next day and was like, what was up yesterday? Oh, man, I made it work. I figured it out. And it taught me that lesson of people will figure it out. But if you always figure it out for them, why would they figure it out? So I'm trying to get I'm trying to get back to being better at that, too.
0: OK,
1: that's good. That's good. Good stuff.
0: Um, Anything else? Emilio, you got anything?
2: No, sir. No okay. sir.
0: So. So. Uh, uh, dame, can you uh just to kind of sh- um shout out your church information where they can follow you, contact information, you know,
1: baby dedications, weddings,
2: ah. you know, like that. <laughs> <laughs> wedding, wedding anniversary, wedding anniversary, I, I <laughs> that, I that.
1: <laughs> yeah, we, we, we do them all, man. So, no, <laughs> so one, <laughs> oh man, we're by faith ministries. Um, when COVID's not not in, we, we're uh located 2500 East Northern Parkway. Uh, that's the professional development center for teachers. Our office building is 8304 Hoffman road, but everything for us is WBF. Um, you can follow us walk by faith ministries on everything walk by faith nation on everything. Uh, my personal stuff is just at Dame Dorse on, on all the stuff, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Um, at Dame Doors, uh, my kids tell me I'm not I'm not lit enough to be on TikTok, so I don't have a TikTok. <laughs> um, so I, they they will only let me do Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter they, the said that's where, they said that's where all the old people hang out. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's why I'm where all the old people hang out. <laughs> yeah, thank
0: you, thank you. We appreciate that. Um, and, and as you know, this is kind of celebrating mental health awareness. Can you can you just kind of give a parting message, just kind of explaining the importance and why we should continue to, you know, make, you know, talk about this and make people aware, uh, especially among us and males.
1: But I think this is so, so, so good. So shout out to both of you uh, for doing this. This is amazing because you never know what helps other people. So this past, mm-hmm. it's, it's funny, man, I just preached a sermon on telling your story, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's this story in Mark five where like Jesus heals this demon possessed guy. And after Jesus heals the dude, the dude is like, man, I want to roll with you, Jesus. Like, this was pretty dope how you healed me. I'm trying to go where you go. And Mm -hmm. what blessed me was at the end of that, it's around about verse 18, the guy's asking, can I go? Jesus says back to him, no, don't go with me. I need you to go back where you're from and tell everybody what I did. And I think this is important. What we're doing is telling everybody how good therapy has been for us how good it feels to take care of your own mental health. So somebody watching is going to tell somebody else, but somebody, even if it's one person is going to get that blessing of figuring it out for themselves. And that's what our goal should be, is how do we help mm-hmm. each other get to a good space of life is hard, man. Life is tough. You always going to have ups and downs. Um, the Bible, your your Bible, if I'm right, still says it rains on the just as well as the unjust. So no matter how good of a person you think you are, you're going to have, Problems and struggles. Why not utilize some of the tools that God gave us, not just in the form of religion, but also in the form of being therapeutic and having therapy and having ways that you can get your anger and stress out that aren't detrimental and that are positive. So, man, this is a this is a, a beautiful thing, and I hope these kinds of things happen more in barbershops shops. Uh, mm-hmm. Just just do sitting around talking and being able to be like, I love what it what my friends have become, even our our circle. Like we um. Man, bless God, we we uh we, we get together and we we have uh, beverages, right? So you have your beverages and when you're together with your beverages, uh, man, the conversation just flows so well in terms of just, just guys being able to open up to other guys and not feeling terrible about what you're saying, not feeling judged about what you're saying, but really talking to people who want the best for you. Like they really want you to be a better guy when you get up and leave out of there. So that that helps a lot, man. So I'm, I'm loving where I think black culture is going in terms of black males finally finally and I say finally man I finally being able to be vulnerable and it be okay mm-hmm.
2: yeah, we getting there
1: absolutely yeah we definitely not there yet but we <laughs> one, one step at a time <laughs> yeah yeah, but we, we, we working on it absolutely well man
0: thanks again for consenting to do this and to do uh, we definitely appreciate you taking time out your schedule um uh, just kind of help us with this and you know Help us continue the conversation of you know surviving the stigmas that we all face uh growing up. So definitely appreciate you. Thank
1: you again. Man, I appreciate uh, you both, man. I appreciate you even though you went to the wrong school. No, <laughs> and, uh, is the best, school. the best. The best. The best.
0: Don't and you
1: get it? And I'm Y'all glad just made, started winning. We, we, we did, win. man. No, I, 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 I can't hate Dumbbom. Dumbbom been it for a long time, man. And I'm glad you made the, made the trip down from New York down to down to Baltimore <laughs> with us, man. So but, he, this, but, yeah. but
0: <laughs> Dave, you got some balls. Dave. Who's the best ball? I want to know who's the best ball in your house. That's what I want to know.
1: Because Dave oh, got some man. ballers in his house, man. <laughs> if I'm if I'm so, man, I, I love all four of them. I think they all do something different, right? So the oldest is he'll be 22 in July. He's probably the uh, he's the Swiss Army knife. Like he has so much energy. He never gets tired. He's always doing so. He's like six, six, four, six, five, but he's always doing something. Uh the next one, he's 20, he'll be 21 in August. He's at Chicago State right now. Mm. Um, he's probably the, the best defender in the house. He's probably the best defender in the house. He won so he went to St. Francis. He won uh Catholic League Defensive Player of the Year two years in a row. So he's he's hands down the best defender in the house. The next one, my my daughter, she's a junior at St. Francis now. She's uh, unequivocally the best shooter in the house. Like, she is a knockdown shooter. She is the best shooter in the house. Uh, Then the youngest is the point guard of the family. She's she's a sophomore at St. Francis. Um, She probably has the best all-around game in the house. Like, just, I mean, ridiculous handles. Uh, I don't even know where she got them from because I don't possess <laughs> any of them. Uh, but if if I were to, to to be completely honest, I would say I'm probably the best overall player in the house. Like just, oh, I knew I knew, knew was it was coming.
2: I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I knew it. I knew it, I knew it was coming. I knew it. I was waiting. <laughs> yeah, I he was heard waiting. Heard he said
1: it over again. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm <laughs> probably the best. You know, no, <laughs> no, uh, no, no, not to being take honest, nothing away from them. Nothing away from them. But uh, no, to be honest, man, I'm. Hey, he probably last in the house at this point which is which is probably <laughs> the proudest thing that i get to say i mm-hmm. i can remember points where each of them passed me and that's when i was like okay you really you you really working like you you yeah it's, it's nothing i can do with it four afford them now
2: shout out to saint francis and uh brother miles uh running, oh, yeah, that, running the, the athletics over there yeah, and, and just the growth that that program is is uh you know underwent and continued to have shout out to them man you know they they making people mad out here so
1: and he's one of the um he's one of the the reasons my son went to college for free man so i'm always indebted to him i I absolutely love i love him i love what he i I love what he does for the for like you said for the program and just how so a couple of things man i know dunbar coaches had this too what i admire about him and sam how much they care for the kids? Like they, they, they're there to win, but they also really have a, a, they really, really have an affinity for the kids, man. They care about those kids, and that, that, that's a special thing.
2: Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Well, man. Uh, well, you know, uh, brother Miles here. Right, but <laughs> you know, but no, definitely appreciate it. Um, I think brother, brother Dwayne, uh, his power went out, so. You know we we going we going Happy to carry to those on. And, ball cats, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know we we definitely appreciate you, man. I and, appreciate the invite. Man. You know just just keep doing what you're doing. Um, I'm gonna give you guys a look at. You know, as far as uh, church and everything goes, man. I, I I love everything that you said, and you know keep being inspiration, man. We definitely appreciate you.
1: Oh man, I appreciate it.
2: Yes, indeed. All right, brother. You have a good one, man. All
1: right, man. Peace. Peace. All right.